If you're loving the Bible Brief, will you take just a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify? We're having hundreds of people every week try out the show, and we want you to help even more discover the Bible Brief. Potential listeners depend upon your reviews to learn why they should listen. So will you do us a favor? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Join the cause to help the world learn the life-changing story and message of the Bible. Because of their sin, the humans deserve death. But God has a solution. He's going to make death solve the death penalty. We'll explore this today on The Bible Brief. After the amazing display of God's power in creation, His preparation of the earth for man, and his purposing of man to worship and obey him as they rule over creation, the humans cause the problem. The problem of death. As they sinned against God by eating fruit from the forbidden tree, they created an entrance for death into the world. Spiritual death, which separates a human from God, and physical death, which separates a human body from their human spirit. Death is perhaps the main problem of the Bible. Remember, this was the penalty for eating from the forbidden tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A penalty known to the humans and yet ignored for the sake of a foolish quest for wisdom. Instead of obeying God, they disobeyed, and now they will have to live with the consequence. Death. Separation. And yet, the Bible doesn't just end in Genesis 3 with separation from God. No, the story actually thickens with God's judgments on the serpent, the woman, and the man. In our last episode, we focused on the great promises in Genesis 3.15, a verse simply packed with implications for the rest of the Bible story. God said to the serpent that there would be a long-term war between the seed or offspring of the serpent and the seed or offspring of the woman, a war between their descendants that would culminate in the defeat of the serpent by a specific seed of the woman. In a final battle, This promised male seed of the woman would deal a death blow to the serpent by crushing his head, but the seed would be dealt a death blow by the serpent as well. The serpent would be defeated at the cost of the seed's life. It's through the lens of these promises that we should begin to view the rest of the Bible story. As we move forward at various points in the story, we're going to see reminders of the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. We're going to see this war rage on through the Bible. We'll see the enemies of God being crushed in the head, and we'll see ever clearer glimpses of this ultimate seed of the woman who will come to finally defeat the serpent himself. With all that said, let's keep moving in the story. Remember what happened just after Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden tree? They realized that they were naked and exposed, and they quickly sewed fig leaves together for themselves as makeshift loincloths. Their exposure and their shame led to a desire to be covered up. In a way, they were trying to be unexposed now that they had become sinners. They wanted their guilt and their shame covered up. It's with this in mind that we see something peculiar in the text that has lots of ramifications that echo in the rest of the Bible. God provides a better covering. We read this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. 
Now, at first glance, this may appear to be just some narrative filler, that God just gave Adam and Eve some new clothes. But if we dwell here for just a moment, we'll see that it's much more substantial than that. God was saying something about the inadequacy of the coverings that Adam and Eve had instinctively made to cover themselves. We're going to look at three aspects of this. And these aspects are this. Death, substitution, and provision. First, let's talk about death in the context of this covering that God made. Adam and Eve had made a covering for themselves from fig leaves. They used plant life to cover their nakedness. But God, when he made a covering for them, he used animal life. He actually required the death of an animal to serve as an example of the death that the couple deserved. It was only through death that an adequate covering was made available by God, the skin of the slain animal. Instead of physically killing the humans as they deserved for their sin, instead he killed an animal as a substitute. This appeased, at least temporarily, the need for full justice on the couple for disobeying God's rule. Which leads us to the second aspect here, substitution. In killing the animal instead of the humans, God was demonstrating something that we'll see over and over again as we move through the Bible story. God allowed a substitute to take the penalty that the couple deserved. And then he used that substitute as a covering for the sinners. They deserved what happened to the substitute, but instead they got covered by the substitute. This concept of substitution is critical as we move through the Bible, and especially as we move forward to the ultimate substitute that God provides for humanity. Not a temporary substitute, but a substitute able to take the death penalty in full. A substitute not just to take the physical death penalty, but a substitute to take on both the spiritual death and the physical death that sinners deserve. Now finally, let's talk about the third aspect here, provision. It's important to see here who provides the adequate covering for the naked couple. The couple wasn't able to make an adequate covering for themselves. Instead, God came in and provided this covering for their nakedness and exposure. This provision of God sets up an important principle in the Bible. God himself is the provider of what humans need. Doing things without God, especially trying to cover up our own sin, doesn't work. Instead, humans must take the covering that God himself provides. Only God can provide what we need. And there's one other small point here. God wasn't obligated to provide for Adam and Eve. He could have just left them exposed and naked, but instead, he graciously provided the covering for them. God is not merely a judge on sin. He's also gracious to the sinner. God provides because God loves. Think about his provision in creation. In the first six days, God's work was making the heavens and the earth, from which he rested on the seventh day. But here, God's work is making this covering for Adam and Eve. He's begun a new kind of work. Not a work of providing with creation, but a work of providing salvation. A work that starts here and continues through the Bible story. So, from this little sentence right after they've exited the garden, we can draw out so many principles that will continue to get more fully fleshed out as we continue. God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Okay, 
So now with new clothes provided by God through an animal substitute, we can now turn our attention to the other tree in the garden. Remember, there were two specific trees mentioned in the story so far. The forbidden tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life. We know what happened with the forbidden tree, but what about that tree of life? Let's listen. This is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. And so he drove the man out. And at the east of the garden of Eden he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Now apparently the tree of life had fruit that, if eaten, allowed humans to physically live forever. And so as another manifestation of the death penalty, God removes Adam and Eve from the garden so that they will not eat from the tree of life and live forever. And not only that, but the text emphasizes that the man was removed from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he came. This is another underline that Adam will return to the dust from which he was created. Access to the tree of life is so protected here that God even places cherubim and a flaming sword to guard access to the tree of life. Now you may say, wait a minute, what are cherubim? Well, think of a cherub as a fearsome angel, a being different from humans, but also not like those depictions of angels that you commonly see in older art. These are not babies with wings. These are powerful, spiritual creatures that in their created form represent beings that inspire fear in humanity. Almost every time you see a cherub or another kind of angel show up in the Bible, you'll see them telling the humans not to fear them. And apparently, God placed a group of these angels and a flaming sword to guard the tree of life. No one was going to go through this guard. But we should probably say one more thing about angels at this point in the story as well. We've clued you in that the serpent is also identified as this adversary of God called Satan in the Bible. Satan was apparently an angel. But instead of following God's rule, he wanted to usurp God's rule. And so Satan himself rebelled against God at some point prior to him tempting the woman in the garden. The serpent is one of those powerful angels who had disguised himself as a beast of the field. This is worth knowing because it helps us further understand the promise of the seed of the woman. Remember, he's going to crush the head of the serpent. But in order for that to be the case, the serpent has to be something more than just a serpent. And as we now understand, he's more than just a serpent. He's one of these powerful angels. One who has now usurped the rule of humans over the world by deception. Satan has now become the ruler of the world and yet he's still himself ruled by God. We'll get into this a little bit more later. So now the humans are outside the garden, banished by God to live a life outside of his immediate presence, banished from access to the tree of life, and yet covered by the gracious act of God, providing them animal skins to wear instead of their makeshift coverings. And now, Adam and Eve begin to act on part of the creation mandate given to them by God. Remember, God had said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Well, they begin with sons. 
We read this in Genesis 4. Now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Cain and Abel, the next human generation, a generation that never knew the Garden of Eden, never knew the serpent, never understood the bliss of life before that fateful day at the forbidden tree. Perhaps Adam and Eve told them the story over and over, about how God judged their sin and yet provided a covering for them. They told them about the promises of a long war between Eve's seed and the serpent's seed, and then told them about the great hope, that one day God would send the ultimate seed of Eve, the one who would finally crush the head of the serpent and defeat evil once and for all. You'd hope that Cain and Abel would listen intently, hanging on their parents' every word. Every time the story was told, they would take the warning to heart not to disobey God as their parents had done. They would realize that they should honor God and obey His rule and mandates. And finally, that they should be aware of the deceitfulness of sin, which in just a moment of weakness can cause consequences for generations. But one of the brothers? Well, let's just say he didn't take the message to heart. Join us next time as we see the next sad event in life outside the garden. Murder. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.